Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. It is the one day each week we turn over our platform mostly to you. Only two guests today. Trot Nixon played in the Yankees-Red Sox series, brought a World Series title to Boston. Darren Vaught is headed to Fenway Park this weekend, our producer, soon after our show. That inspired the question of the day, what is the most famous sports rivalry you've experienced in person? And what do you remember most about being there in person? Darren hopefully brings a story or two back from Beantown this weekend. Duke, Carolina, Yankees, Red Sox, Auburn, Alabama, a lot of others coming up. UCLA against USC, international soccer matchups, the best rivalries of the pro and college teams that we follow all across our great nation. Trot Nixon later this hour on Yankees, Red Sox, and other baseball. Charles Davis in about 90 minutes from the NFL on Fox, one of our favorites on all things in the National Football League and the Madden video game franchise. CD will be with us to talk Panthers and other NFL Breaking news from that world as we come to Van and Gary and Ken and others not necessarily in that order. The New York Giants have now lost two wide receivers to serious injuries. This is what we were talking about yesterday, right? You want to get better in preseason practice, but you want to get better without suffering key injuries between now and when the games start mattering. In two days, the New York Giants have lost Sterling Sharp, Pretty good wide receiver to a fractured thumb. Silver lining there is, if that's all it is, he might be back in time for the regular season opener, but he's going to miss the next month or so of practice. Today, Corey Coleman of the Giants at wideout tore his ACL and is definitely out for the season. So remember, Odell Beckham Jr. is gone, so it's already like a questionable position. Whether it's Eli Manning or Duke's Daniel Jones as the starter, they need targets. I mean, Saquon Barkley can't do all the work out of the backfield. Sterling Sharp out for a long time. Corey Coleman out for the season at the same wide receiver position. Panthers have some questions at that position, but no similar injuries at this point. One other quick one, the former Cowboys wide receiver, Alan Hearns. Remember, they cut him in a salary cap move. He has signed with his hometown Miami Dolphins. So Fitzmagic and Rosen will have one more target to throw to. Alan Hearns is a former Miami Hurricanes star, little-known recruit who became a big-time player for UM and has been good once again at the NFL level, 1-800-849-2761. Ken is in Wilmington and wants in on the question of the day. What is that most famous sports rivalry you've experienced in person, and what do you remember most from it? We're trying to send Darren to the Yankees-Red Sox series with as many good stories as we can. Welcome, Ken, to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Happy DG. Uh, happy uh, Friday, DG. Right back at you, man. What's going on? <laughs> I wanted to tell you about, and I can't uh, remember the year, but um, I was wearing my Trojans USC shirt and went to the Rose Bowl, and it was packed. And uh, I'm in a sea, when I get my seats, I'm in a sea of blue. And uh, I said, uh oh, this isn't good. <laughs> but um, Todd Marijuanovich, through a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, a, a pass, 13 seconds left, and he, a, and he 
threw a pass to win the game. That's a Southern Cal quarterback of yesteryear, Todd Marinovich, that yeah. he very creatively described as Todd Marijuanovich. That is not an accident for those who missed it. That impacted Marinovich's career a little bit later uh, in his time with the Trojans. Yeah, you never want to be wearing your Southern Cal stuff, stuff in a sea of blue. Did you get out with both the win and a good story? Oh, I was going to tell you, it came to almost some fisticuffs, uh, getting out to the parking lot and you know, the car. Everybody but, uh, okay, though? It, it was a great game. No scars? No scars all no, those years later? No. All right. Good to hear. What We have a rough and tumble audience today. I got a Giants-Eagles fight, cold cocked. I got the Southern Cal against UCLA. We love great rivalries. Yankees, Red Sox, Duke, Carolina, Auburn, Alabama, and otherwise. I didn't know there was going to be so many fisticuffs involved. Appreciate Ken chiming in from Wilmington on Free For All Friday. Van is in Elkin, North Carolina. And has seen the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry that Darren Vaught is about to see in person at Fenway. What's going on, Van? Hey, how's it going today? Doing I great. Yankees and Red Sox, but uh, I, I was just telling uh, the Yankees and Red Sox rivalry uh, is not the rivalry that it used to be because, uh, you, you know, the team guys switch around a little bit more. You know, when Madeline and Williams, those guys play, they play with one team, so you lived and died by it. But uh, it's... It, and I couldn't figure out for a long time what a rivalry was because one team was winning all the time. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and since you brought up the Fisticuffs, probably the best rivalry in sports now is Duke, Carolina. Eight miles apart, you know. I'm with you, man. A couple of beers you walk at eight miles. But <laughs> I've seen it in person. Uh, the best time it was Art Heyman, Dick, Larry Brown. Wow, that? you've been around a while then. <laughs> the, the Art Heyman, Larry Brown story is what? That would be early 60s, right? 60s, yeah. Vic Boobers was a coach, best coach ever. Best coach ever. Speaking of fisticuffs, Van says, the great Duke Carolina rivalry had its share of those way back when. Now, I wasn't born yet, but I have written about, and that is the Larry Brown y'all are thinking of. Famous as a coach, played for Dean Smith at Carolina. Art Heyman was one of the early great players in Duke basketball history, and there was some wicked bad blood. I mean, it wasn't like to the degree of hockey where you could have, you know, bench-clearing brawls back in the day on a regular basis. But every once in a while, the benches spilled in college basketball before they cleared that up. I mean, it's like malice in the palace for NBA fans to remember. There was some wicked bad. We see stare-downs, right? We've seen Eric Montross bleeding from his face. We saw the Gerald Henderson, Tyler Hansbro stuff. Like, that's at least in the course of play to one degree or another. The flat-out stare-down that turns into fisticuffs and a brawl and suspensions and chaos, that was Duke Carolina in the early 60s. Coach Smith was at UNC, a guy named Vic Bubis, uh, the other greatest coach in Duke basketball history. Everybody knows Coach K has been atop that mountain for a long time, but there were others. Art Heyman still somewhere in that greatest Duke players list from way back when, two guys, huge personalities in both cases. Again, I wasn't alive when that fight happened, but having interviewed both of those guys, I can appreciate the intensity that both bring to the table that obviously contributed to that. Good stories from Van in Elkin. Did he just name the two greatest rivalries in all of sports, Yankees, Red Sox, and Duke Carolina? Was that a shot at your Red Sox when Van said at, for a one while. One of them was winning all the time. For yeah, a I think while, so. we knew who was going to win or one was winning all the time. That was a shot across the bow. That's how I read it, yeah. Van sounded very friendly while he was taking a shot at your Boston Red Sox 
and their how many decades was it? No, I don't, I don't want to give you a hard time. Trot Nixon's about to join us a little bit later. I wouldn't mess with Trot. I'd mess with you just for fun. But Trot, Trot, at least to his credit, could come back with, hey, we broke that curse. Trot, Trot, I broke that Trot curse. Trot and the part. boys ended the curse of the Bambino. And that had been around for 80-plus years. Not that I keep track or anything, but that is one of the most famous droughts in sports history as it's attached to one of the most great, most famous rivalries in sports history. Ben is in Hampstead, North Carolina, a lovely city near Wilmington, and he was there at one of the Iron Bowls. I give Alabama-Auburn. It's somewhere on the list of certainly great American sports rivalries. What college football rivalry is more wickedly intense than that one? I know Michigan and Ohio State hate each other. I know there's in-state rivalries where there's a lot of bad blood. But if you combine prominence, like Southern Cal UCLA, back when our caller was a kid, I remember that as a huge rivalry. You younger folks don't think of that as a rivalry at all, do you? That's, UCLA Southern Cal is not on your radar. It's not even in your top ten rivalries anymore. Some of these rivalries die because what do you need? You need to be prominent. So somebody might have a story of – this school versus that school. I mean, you could go down to like middle school or high school or lower divisions in the NCAA. You got to be prominent. And doesn't it help a, lot, a rivalry a lot when like both sides are good most of the time? Red Sox Yankees has been even more magical lately because both are really good most of these years. Duke and Carolina has taken steps that so, so many steps up the ladder over the decades that with. K at Duke and Dean Smith plus Roy Williams, two different Hall of Famers at Carolina. Now you're talking about not every single year, but rare exceptions when Duke isn't great, rare exceptions when Carolina isn't great, and basically zero exceptions when you know neither is great in the same year. I've been at this for 32 years. I've, there's never been an example where neither was nationally relevant at the same time. Usually they're both in the top 10 or whatever. That is a huge element in what makes Duke Carolina one of the greatest sports rivalries, I think, in the entire world. We're a little biased here. Ben in Hampstead has been to the Iron Bowl. No fisticuffs, I hope, Ben. What do you remember from uh, your favorite trip to the Iron Bowl? Well, uh, let me just say uh, my lovely and talented wife and my father-in-law, he has season tickets to Auburn. So that's one of the uh, – reason i went very so I well went done cam, i went to the cam newton game where they came back from two touchdowns down wow and then my wife went to the kick six game two years or was it three years later um so the game i went to uh, what i remember most is uh some fist cuffs my brother-in-law was uh <laughs> when alabama was up 14 nothing you know they were talking some major trash more fist cuffs here we go, here we then go. they came back the guy didn't want to hear it but the funniest thing after the game was after Auburn came back, uh, we were on the quad where everybody tailgates. And literally, if you can picture this, there's this about 55 to 60-year-old man watching an interview after the game on one of the local news stations with an Auburn player. All right. He literally cusses the guy up one side and down the other on TV. Yikes. Yeah. Calls him every name in the book, and then he yanks out the TV cord because <laughs> – because, uh, the, you know, because Alabama lost. <laughs> hey, Ben, I have to ask you because you slipped in a lovely and talented reference there. Do you frequently describe your wife that way? And if so, was that inspired by the David Glenn show in any way? Do you refer to your wife as the lovely and talented? 
or did you just squeeze that in for us? I'm just curious. Did we lose him? Ben and Hampstead. I would. I mean, if you get brownie points for describing your wife as the lovely and talented so-and-so, I'm in favor of it. If you get extra brownie points by saying it while calling the David Glenn Show, I'm doubly in favor of it. I'm just curious. There are other places you can get that line, Darren. It's not exclusive. There's no monopoly on the lovely and talented. Heck, I stole it from David Letterman in late-night TV way back when, but it still gets me brownie points to this day, and frankly, I often need those brownie points. 1-800-849-2761. Gary and Wilson has a let's celebrate the memory of Skip Prosser story. It was 12 years ago today that the late, great Xavier and Wake Forest basketball coach passed away. Uh, and at, at a young age, we miss him to this day. I shared a lot of thoughts last hour. If you missed those, uh, they were heartfelt. They were real. He was amazing and one of the more unforgettable figures just as a person slash coach that I've come across in my career. Gary and, Wel- Gary and Wilson, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Thank you, David. Yes, my son about 15 years ago attended Wake Forest soccer camp. One day at lunch, he got in a little bit later than most of the boys and so the cafeteria was largely empty. He was sitting at a long table, which included Skip Prosser and Dino Gaudio. And they befriended my son, engaged with him in a very positive way during his lunch time, and he left with a wonderful impression of both Skip and Dino. And then A few months later, at a Wake Forest alumni event, we met uh, Coach Prosser and spoke with him, and he was tremendously gracious as always. And the way you characterized him as knowing something about the custodial staff and knew their names and was just very personable with all people, uh, again, was the experience that my son had on both of these occasions. Great to hear. Him. Great to hear. Thanks, Gary, for calling and listening. As always, chiming in on Free For All Friday, 1-800-849-2761. I know these aren't all Prosserisms, but I think of him when people say such things or write them. Leave everywhere you go in better shape than however you found it. I remember Coach Prosser, again, probably not a Prosser original, but we would just, you know how David Cutcliffe is our weekly guest in the fall, Darren? Yeah, and that one in particular is a Cutcliffe line as well. I think he's used that. For probably. sure. Like, Coach Cut is a folksy, southern gentleman, storyteller, offensive football genius, all-around good guy. You know, could have been a preacher if he really wanted to be, if football had not taken him in a different direction. Heck, maybe still will be someday. We don't have many guests that we offer a weekly time slot. I I mean, there have only been a couple, like, in the history of our show. Since you did not get to experience the late, great Skip Prosser, I hope you can think of him that way. Um, We don't talk to Tony Bennett of UVA quite as often, but I'm giving you, like, some of the highlights of my 32 years. You know why Tony's on that short list. You know why Coach Cut is on that short list. What do we say? Life, sports, football, and Blue Devils. Like, tell me you don't, A, learn something, and B, become a better person every time you talk to David Cutcliffe. Tell me it's that's true. not true. I, I at right? least feel that way. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly how I feel. 
I like want to send him bouquets. I want to send him gifts for his weekly visits. That's how I felt about Skip Prosser. And we meet all sorts of amazing people. Some are super smart. Some are super hardworking. Some are super successful. Some are, you know, all of the above or whatever. It's not, not everybody is wired to, you know, to, to <laughs> describe William Shakespeare as, as Billy Shakespeare and then drop to thine own self be true in the right context while talking about sports. I remember Coach Prosser one time was asked about there was a rebounding drill and there were elbows to guys' faces. And so, so it's Deacons versus Deacons. And there was blood and there were several guys complaining about how that drill just went. And Coach Prosser said, the good news is that none of them were all that good looking before their noses got hit. I mean, that's just like, and you know how I like to use, you always like my Noah's Ark line. I forget what, it, what context it came up in recently where, you know, I ACC said. ACC kickoff, two players from each oh, team. Oh, two players from yep. each team. So Noah's Ark, right? Coach, I, he might have stolen it from somebody else, but I stole it from Coach Prosser. We were in an operation basketball a long time ago. So, of course, you're talking about his Deacons teams team and then the competition in the league that year and we asked about I think it was Carolina or Duke and he goes here's my scouting report there's they're like Noah's Ark this year again they have two of everything and then he went into you know their backup at this position and that is better than most starters in this league at this position or back that so one more I guess theft, is that a borrowing of a proserism? <laughs> Perhaps something, again, that he borrowed from somebody else. But never delay gratitude. Never delay gratitude was one of the quotes that I think he repeated as often as any other in many of his trips to our show. The greatest sin in life is wasted talent, Darren. Don't let that happen to you. Skip Prosser would be disappointed. 1-800-AS-WOULD-I for that matter. 1-800-849-2761. What's the most famous sports rivalry you've experienced in person? What do you remember most from that? Darren's headed to Fenway Park this weekend to see the Red Sox take on the Yankees in one of the world's most famous sports rivalries. We're collecting Skip Prosser stories in his honor, if you have one to share. And one of the most interesting things we've seen so far in Carolina Panthers camp and even elsewhere around the NFL. Cam Newton was described by NFL coaches and executives this week in an article done by Mike Sando at TheAthletic.com as the 15th best starting quarterback out of 32. There are many other years when Cam was not coming off surgery where he was described as one of the top 10 quarterbacks. Heck, coming off his MVP season, he might have been in the top five. I don't remember how he fell that year. Number 15 out of 32 starting quarterbacks, that sounds kind of middling, right? That sounds mediocre. That sounds right smack dab down the middle. The Panthers need better than that from Cam Newton. I'll give you a couple quotes that jumped out to me from that article as we come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls. Trot Nixon on baseball in less than 15 minutes. Charles Davis on the NFL in a little bit more than an hour from the NFL on Fox. You can exercise your free-for-all Friday freedoms on the other side. Doesn't even have to be one of the topics I just discussed. You can take us in a different direction entirely as long as it's about the sports world or this show or a combination of those things. It can be a complaint, a comment, a question, a prediction. 
maybe something that's been burning a hole in your sports soul for a long time. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. You can be next right now, 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. We have Skip Prosser stories in his memory. We have answers to the question of the day with Darren headed to Fenway Park to take in the Yankees against the Red Sox in person for the first time in his young baseball life. What is the most famous sports rivalry rivalry you have experienced in person? And what do you remember most from that? Clay and Kerry wants in on that question of the day. Others have Skip Prosser stories to share 12 years to the day after his passing as the great Wake Forest basketball coach and all-around good guy and philosopher. We have a classic sports movie challenge later. Somebody's going to win a prize. You have questions, we have answers, and Free For All Friday allows for your complaints, your curiosity, your predictions. Take us anywhere you'd like to take us. One thing I promised in the article from earlier this week ranking the NFL starting quarterbacks from 1 through 32. Cam Newton, Mike Sando of The Athletic, asks NFL executives and coaches, some of them head coaches, coordinators, some of them GMs, etc., the highest-ranking people you can possibly think of. He talks to more than 50 of them. And then he asks them to rank one, two, three, four, or five. Those are the five tiers that you can be placed upon. All 32 starting quarterbacks end up somewhere, the consensus, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five. Tier one being the best, of course. So as you probably would have guessed, guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady lead the list on tier one. Cam has been a tier one quarterback in the eyes of these famous NFL people some years. He actually was right on the edge of tier two and tier three this time. As we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, I found it interesting that just as Cam Newton is an incredibly polarizing person and figure in the eyes of many NFL fans, I find in our statewide audience, there are plenty of Cam defenders and still plenty of Cam haters. Even in this article, ask, talking to head coaches, GMs, high-ranking scouts, and offensive coordinators, for example, or defensive coordinators who have to evaluate these guys down to every last hangnail. That's what they do for a living. Even in that group of experts, Cam is a polarizing figure. Listen to these quotes as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. An NFL coach says this, when Cam Newton is healthy – and everything is going, I think he's tier one. Again, that is the highest. That's up there. Might not put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers and Russell Wilson and the other guys on that tier. But So at one end of the spectrum, when he's healthy and everything's going, I think he's a one. He changes how his team plays. With the injury, though, I'd probably put him on tier two, at least for now. Different person. Also quoted by Mike Sando in this article, again, Cam ranked 15th out of 32 starting quarterbacks. That is very middling for a guy who was the NFL MVP back in 2015, was the NFL Rookie of the Year back in 2011. He's 30 years old now. 
He's coming off another shoulder surgery, but this one not nearly as serious, the doctors say, as that first one that messed up his campaign a few years ago. Another head coach shows clearly more skepticism. And the Cam haters are going to love to hear that an NFL head coach thinks this way because many of them do as well. I think Cam does certain things really well, and then I think other things he does not do well. This NFL head coach, again, speaking anonymously to Mike Sando of The Athletic, said in the article posted earlier this week, can you make everybody around you better consistently? That's the question I ask of any quarterback. I don't think Cam does that great right now. His leadership ability, he has not proven that to me. There are quotes all over the place. Again, this is eight full seasons into Cam Newton's career, and there are still polarizing opinions among fans, among Panthers supporters, and yes, even among these NFL coaches and executives. Let's let Clay and Kerry answer our question of the day. What is that most famous sports rivalry you've experienced in person, and what do you remember most from it as we send Darren to Fenway Park to catch Yankees Red Sox for the first time? What's going on, Clay? Not much, David. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Glad you could join us. Hey, thank you. Um, yeah, the biggest rivalry I remember growing up, I went there in the 80s because uh, I grew up outside of Penn State, was the Pitt-Penn State rivalry oh, football yeah. game. Yes. Which was just, I mean, the biggest thing I remember as a kid was just the camaraderie, uh, but also just the amount of people. Uh, Penn State home football game in Happy Valley uh, in, in a small little town of State College. Yeah. It's crazy. It's Pennsylvania or the State College, the third uh, largest town. Yeah, right. Only second to <laughs> Pen- yeah, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you have Pitt, Penn State playing back uh, in the 80s when I saw it, it was just tremendous. And then they took it away uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. And then they brought it back. Yeah, uh, Penn, well, Penn State joined the Big Ten way back, and then Pittsburgh more recently joins the ACC. Scheduling gets a little trickier. You're right, it was gone for a while. And I may be somewhere near your vintage because growing up in the Philly area, college football was not often front-page news, right? You got all the pro sports. You have other things that you're covering. I love the way you phrase that. State College Pennsylvania goes from a small, relatively small college town to, to on a game day the most populous place after Philly, number one, Pittsburgh, number two. And then it's that big, even beyond those attending this, the game. And what was that back then, 80,000-plus? Oh, yeah, the stadium was only 80,000, but now it's, the stadium holds 100,000. Right. But the tailgating there, there's like another 200,000 people yeah. out in the parking it's lot. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it is crazy. I remember that just through the eyes of whatever I was, like, I don't know, 16 years old, I think I went up there for the first time. And I I will never forget the number of people that – I didn't understand tailgating. In a pro sports town like Philly, there's a little bit of that, but nothing nothing like what we understand as tailgating, you know, in the American South, for example, during college football season. So that was eye-opening to me. And in case people forget, and I remember this as a kid, you know, Joe Paterno had been building the dynasty at Penn State, so they were like the state's representative. The city of Philadelphia didn't have – a great college football team. So when it came to adopting college teams, you know, you had Villanova and other college basketball teams right there in the city that you could adopt. Or, you know, my sister and my dad went to St. Joe's, so I rooted for the Hawks, et cetera. 
But really, there was no local college football power. So even State College is not quite, I mean, it's not next, it's not all that near Philadelphia, really. But Joe Paterno's there. They're competing for national championships, occasionally winning them. And as Clay said, you have to think of the pit back then. Pitt, like, I forget the year they won it. Was it 76 or something? Pitt, Pitt was a national champion. Paterno had a national champion. So in the late 70s and early 80s, man, that was as good as it got in college football. And nowadays, we don't think of it as that way, but kind of like the UCLA Southern Cal caller earlier, at the time, Southern Cal UCLA was as good as it got in college football. Pitt, Penn State, man. Uh, Dan Marino was the quarterback at Pitt like Bill Fralick, Hugh, Hugh Green, and Penn State had its you know, future NFL guys as well. That was a golden era for that great college football rivalry. And, yeah, I'm glad they have brought it back. It might never be what it once was, but it's good to see these, those two teams playing more often again. 1-800-849-2761. Trot Nixon has played in what some call the greatest sports rivalry in all the world. Yankees-Red Sox, he wore the Boston uniform. He helped break the curse of the Bambino. He still calls the Wilmington, North Carolina area home. Trot Nixon on great rivalries, baseball, and other things. Charles Davis on the NFL in 60 minutes. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Was, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. David Glenn Show, welcome back to Free For All Friday. Charles Davis, one of our favorites on the National Football League, joins us in less than 60 minutes. We're going to have a classic sports movie challenge for you. Somebody will win a prize in our statewide audience by identifying via audio that classic sports movie. That's coming at you in about 25 minutes. Joining us now, as promised, a guy who has played in one of the greatest sports rivalries of all time. He helped the Boston Red Sox end the curse of the Bambino as the Sox won it all in 2004. He is from Wilmington, North Carolina. He still makes his home there with his family nowadays. Trot Nixon, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. How do you remember being treated by the fans at Yankee Stadium, given how everybody describes this rivalry as, as one of the greatest that the whole sports world has to offer? Oh, yeah, they were really nice. <laughs> They're very humble and, uh, you know, welcoming quite a bit. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things that were said and done uh, that we – Probably won't uh, won't go over because there may be some kids listening to the show. But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it was a it was a rivalry in every every part of it. Um, I, I think what makes the rivalry so special, obviously, is is the two fan bases. Um, that's the biggest thing because you know on the field, for the most part, you know your the core Yankee players as well as you know the core Red Sox players for years. You know we had a we had respect for each other um but we also wanted to win but um i mean it, it was a tremendous atmosphere um we could be playing uh we could be three or four weeks out of playing a series against the yankees and maybe some of our media 
or maybe even some of the Yankee media would find their way around to our clubhouse, believe it or not. Obviously, our, our Red Sox media were always around there. Yeah. And they want to talk about that. And uh, we used to always have to remind them that, you know, we've got, you know, two, three, maybe even four weeks of games before we even play those guys, and we're not worried about it. So um, it, it was always uh, a very intense series. Um, and uh, for not only for, for us, but also the fans, uh, there's usually a lot riding on a lot of those series. Um, could be the change in the, in the standings um, to move yourself ahead for yourself. Uh, this is wise from the Yankees or vice versa. The Yankees try to do the same thing. So uh, um, it's always been, uh, to me, it's always been like that. It's, it's obviously great for baseball. There are other rivalries out there in Major League Baseball, but I don't think there's anyone, one of those rivalries that can uh, compete with uh, Sox and Yankees. If you're on the road, how often can you hear the stuff that Yankees fans might be yelling? And I'm glad you won't use the exact language just in case the kids are listening. Uh, and, like, did you ever find yourself I'm, – I'm sure you're – it's not a good idea to react, but maybe once in a while, like you couldn't help but laugh or something. Yeah, I mean there was there, there's uh, plenty of opportunity um, while playing in those series. You know, you have your blinders on. You got to focus on yeah. what's going on in front of you while you know, obviously playing in the outfield. You don't hear much, you know, when you're at the plate. Um, when you're at the old Yankee Stadium, um, there was a lot of foul territory behind the. Uh, the catcher and so forth. So you didn't really hear much, okay. didn't hear much uh, on the on deck circle. But obviously when you went to where I played in right field or Central Alaska, you heard plenty out there. And it, there would be a few that were right there uh, in the front rows that you could hear constantly throughout the, the game. And when the game started to go our way, then all of a sudden you would, you would take a peek over there and, and you look at them or you maybe kind of point at them, you know, if something good happened for us Red Sox, like if I got a hit or hit a home run or Big Poppy or, or Manny hit a home run, you know, I'd look over there and give them a thumbs up. And, you know, they would, you know, some, some of them, it would really irritate them, but other ones would sit, would sit there and start smiling, give you one of those smirks like, yeah, you got me. But, uh, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun and uh, nothing better than, going into Yankee Stadium and playing those guys, and especially having success against them. Um, uh, that, was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Obviously, the most fun would have been um, Game 7 in 2004 when we had completed the comeback. Um, you could really tell there was a lot of fans that were just kind of in disbelief. Yeah. You'd, have to, you'd have to see it to believe it, but they were just like stunned, sitting in their seats, you know, with their – Ball cap tip back, Mike. Oh, what is going on here? But uh, so um, it was a lot of fun to see that because the year before we were on the other side of it, we got beat, and several years before that, we uh, Red Sox fans have endured watching the Yankees go off and win championships. So um, uh, we relished in that uh, enough to uh, um, to make us feel good. Trot Nixon is joining us on the David Glenn Show, World Series champion from the Boston Red Sox, often played right field when he was not hitting home runs. Earlier this week marked the anniversary of a Yankees-Red Sox brawl 
that started with Alex Rodriguez versus Jason Veritek. What do you remember about that one? Uh, it was a melee is what it was. Um, I think it was hot that day, too, so that probably added to the uh, frustration of all players. But um, uh, there was just, uh, you know, him and Tech got into it. And, you know, and Alex was a, you know, he was a big guy at that point. Yeah. But I think, you know, obviously he was taller than Veritek, but, you know, a lot of folks really didn't know, you know, how strong Veritek. Veritek's got two legs that are the size of tree trunks. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, obviously those kind of things, looking at it as a player now, you know, several years later, you don't want to be in those kind of situations. It's not good for the game of baseball. But when you're in it and you're trying to win ball games, you know, maybe you've had some frustrating times at the plate or out the field or on the bump or anything like that. You know, sometimes those emotions, you know, you don't keep them in check and you do a few things that, you know, causes things to get out of control. And, and that's what it was. It just, not only that, you know, I got into it with, you know, a couple of the Yankee guys, but then I watched one Yankee guy grab Gabe Kalper around the back and it just kind of, uh, kind of went haywire and um, obviously it wasn't good for the game, but it obviously to Red Sox and, uh, and Yankee fans, it, it added to the rivalry. Just another chapter in the rivalry. And uh, that was probably one chapter of its own. Um, but um, like I said earlier, you know, we had a lot of respect for each other, yeah. but it didn't matter. I mean, every game was like a, a playoff or a, probably even a World Series atmosphere. Um, and sometimes as a you know, player yourself, you enjoy playing in them, but you're like, look, this game can't be any more important than when we're playing anyone else. But it's just magnified so much, not only in Boston and in New York, but also nationally too. So, um, uh, so you know, tempers uh, would flare up at times and um, – it is what it is. It was a part of the game. You don't see it that much anymore, and, and that's fine, you know, because it's really not needed. It's not UFC out there, but uh, um, but uh, I don't. I can't really say it was fun to be in it, but you know, I was in it, and at the time, you know, I did what I had to do. Trot Nixon joining us on the David Glenn Show. It was his Red Sox nineteen. Yankees three last night. Our producer, Darren Vaught, is going to get his first in-person experience of this great rivalry. He's headed to Fenway Park after today's show. It, you not only wore the Red Sox uniform, if I remember correctly, I mean, you like got that cup of coffee when you're probably like 22 years old. You're still playing for the Red Sox when you're about 32 years old. You're part of the group that broke the curse of the Bambino and put together that comeback that you described. Give us the uh, the essence of your relationship with the franchise. I mean, baseball teams don't keep in touch with every former player, but when you have a decade-long relationship and all of those things are on that resume, uh, I've seen some pretty cool receptions for you in Boston even years later. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's tremendous. And, and a, a lot of it, you know, is is the Red Sox and how much, you know, former players uh, mean to them, um, as well as, you know, the fan bases. Um, 
the fan base up there, I, I, it's kind of hard to describe it to someone who, you know, I'm not talking about yourself, but people who just don't really realize it. It's, it's unbelievable how the fan base, how they, not only they, when they follow you when you're actively playing, but then, you know, you could come back 10, 15, 20 years later and people still recognize yeah, you. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, and I joke around with I'm like, you mean to tell me you can still recognize me <laughs> when I am plenty heavier, grayer, <laughs> just older? It's a <laughs> religion. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a religion, and you're like a religious figure. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very humbling uh, is what it is. And um, I love it. I love the, the fans. I love being able to have that opportunity to, to go back up to Fenway, you know, Catherine, my wife, she obviously loves it. She has so many friends up there she'd like to see. Uh, but the boys uh, really enjoy going to Fenway Park. And, you know, the little the little opportunities that the normal fan doesn't get, you know, I can, I can um, in the relationship that we've had, you know, with the Red Sox, be able to go in the clubhouse. I still got some of my closest friends. Uh, that I've known probably longer than former teammates uh, that work in the clubhouse cool. uh, up at Fenway. And, you know, touring the park when nobody else is in there, maybe going on the field and watching batting practice. I mean, all great things. Yeah, and it sounds like I'm spoiled, but it's just one of the opportunities I get because of the relationship that the Red Sox, um, that we've had with the Red Sox, and yeah. they continue to um, be so great and so gracious uh, to us. Um, I still do fantasy camp um, down in, in Fort Myers every cool. year uh, for the Red Sox, so that kind of keeps me in the loop. But uh, the different entity, uh, that's Fenway Sports, but the people over there, they really take care of the former players that come down there, and they're great to work with. And it's a lot of fun being around those fans. But uh, like you said, you know, you go back up, and I don't go around Boston trying to, to be recognized. I just – yeah. I don't think about it anymore. Like when I was a player, you probably wouldn't go to certain places, but you know, now it's like, well, now I'm going to go out and enjoy the city. And, and uh, it's, it is very surprising at times to see not only people that are my age or maybe a little bit older, yeah. but always, it's even some of the younger kids too, uh, that would recognize me. That just kind of goes to, to show a lot of people how important, not just baseball, but sports in general are up in the Northeast of Boston with you know, the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Bruins, as well as the Red well, Sox. Well put. Trot Nixon. Darren, since he knows all those people, you know, you pick up Trot. I'm out of time, Trot. Thank you for joining us, as always. It's great to hear your voice. Uh, I he, he used the word spoiled. Like, I think he earned all of these things. I think the Red Sox would say, we're not spoiling Trot Nixon. We are thanking him for all of the things that he has done. Get some of those names from Trot. So that when you go to Fenway, you get some kind of, I don't know, special tour. I think he would help you out if he could. 1-800-849-2761. Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox joins us next hour. Always great to hear Trot Nixon's voice. New Hanover High School in Wilmington. A beloved family in that community to this day. Really cool people. Member of the Greater Wilmington Sports Hall of Fame. I was honored to be the master of ceremonies um, in various years surrounding his induction. We're back after this. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.
Charles Davis is one of the best in the NFL business. He joins us live in about 40 minutes. A classic sports movie challenge is coming at you next on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show.